Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. We got three of us today. Jesse, Rudo, Megan coming to you live on a Monday. It's a Monday, so we figured we'd talk about the hard things facing the Avalanche because those are the Monday vibes, are they not? Are, uh, there, are there any hard things facing the Avalanche in the middle of... I guess it's still July. I mean, I was talking about, like, big obstacles they that are coming. They need to sign Ross Colton. Yeah, I, I guess that's a ooh, real... I, all right, yes. This is actually where I wanted to start, first of all, because apparently Ross Colton's going to wear number 20. Yeah. Neat. Yeah, Does anyone care? I, <clears throat> I know there's... I know there's people that don't like the race car numbers, but I do like a, a a good unique number. Now, what I will say is I have been laughing because there's a bunch of people that are like, oh, why are these guys all changing to these like super boring numbers? They used to, you know, like 44 and 79. Those are typically numbers that are assigned to players. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot. You don't see a lot of like 79s skating around in youth hockey by choice. Uh, yeah, typically anywhere from like the mid forties to the low eighties, those are typically like camp numbers that are given to players and they'll change once they've earned enough, uh, you know, or you'll see them go, ah, this is just my number now. Whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Seniority and stuff like that. Like Trevor Zegras going from whatever it was like, what was he? 64 or something like that to 19. It's like, yes, that makes a lot of sense. So as as lame as it is sometimes to see players go from like the big race car numbers down to 20, a number that's been worn by a thousand abs players, actually it makes it, sense. It's not that prolific, which I'll show you guys in a second. But I, I don't think I've ever asked either of you. Favorite numbers? My number 17. It's a really cliche answer, but my favorite numbers are one and nine. And so 19 is the super number. Okay. All right. I, that's Why one and nine? I don't know what it is about right. one and nine yeah. specifically, right. but those are both excellent numbers. Yeah, good. My favorite number is 420. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's super cliche, but. 1111. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, three was my number when I was like a real little That's kid. And then mine. at about, I think it was like 11, I got 17. Like there was like, I made a new team and there was only like three numbers left to pick from. I took 17, and that was the number to like beer leagues I play on now. I'm 17. Yeah. What I was eight. When eight? I, eight when I was really young, and then three when I, okay. same thing, new yeah. team, and eight was taken. So, yeah, you just and switch. Yeah. Then I confuse everyone by saying three is half of eight. Yeah. No. So I won't lie. When you first said that, I said, oh, you just completed the number. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. 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 So that uh, makes total sense. Basically, I'm half of Kale McCarr. No big deal. Also, uh, 11's <laughs> the best number because you have two number ones and you're always number one. So you, that's the only number you can go like this and it's actually showing your jersey. Okay. Wait, yeah, you're saying yeah. 11? Yeah. Mm. That's a, I don't like I it mean, in or hockey. 12, 13, 14, but I like 15. It as a number. That's like the most soccer thing because soccer people celebrate like this. I've never, never in my life have I seen a hockey player throw up both fingers. To you can also celebrate. do this yeah, for it fifty-five. Also, yeah. Yeah. It, also, it also looks like sausages if you put up hockey gloves like this. It doesn't look like one. Yeah, it's hard to get individual look. finger dexterity. Ten through in a fifteen glove. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Twenty through twenty-five. Said, this is the only number you can put up. It's no, like no way, that's bro. The only time you can actually make it look like a number, like it looks like eleven. This doesn't look like twelve, like seven. Uh, I see what you're saying. It just looks like multiple numbers being, multiple fingers being held up. Yeah, it looks like twenty-five. Right, right, right. right. That's <laughs> no, what I'm saying. That's, I would more say, I would say that's five. twenty-five more than it is seven. 
No, because like if you're talking about pure hand gestures, <laughs> I was like, keep an eye on number twenty-five. Yeah, I don't I know. It just doesn't make the actual number. <laughs> I know what you're saying, yeah, yeah. Don't be nice. He, no, he's, he's no. Don't defend him. Right we get, I we understand what you're saying, but like, that's still twelve. <laughs> Thirteen. Like that's not how you would write twelve. You don't know that. You don't know me. You don't know how I. I maybe would write I draw a one and a two. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't look like the number two. It's you. You know it's two because there's two up, but it doesn't look like the number two. Oh my god. Okay. This is silly. I'm gonna bad. start calling myself 77 and running around like this. <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, anyway, no, the actual obstacle here, though, Ross Colton still unsigned. Is there any concern that this is actually gonna go all the way to arbitration at this point? Uh, I mean, what? We've still got 10 days. 10 days. I would say no. I mean, you're starting to see the pre-arb deals flood in these last couple days. Uh. I, I still think, I mean, you got a week and a half. And, and again, if it goes to arbitration, it really doesn't bother me that I'm much. I'm not worried if it goes to arbitration. <laughs> I think this is the position he was in with Tampa, and they knew this, and the Avs would have known this as well and had some kind of, I think, plan in place and conversation that they would imagine this to be feasible. When he did a radio hit over the weekend talking about being here and how excited he is, and, I mean, he picked the number. Like, yeah. <laughs> And ultimately, I'm not concerned. I mm -hmm. do think they will get it done. The reason I think it is an obstacle of arbitration is if it goes to arbitration, the Avs can only get a two-year deal. <laughs> and given this is a guy they actively went out and acquired, a two-year deal that gets them one year of his free agency and then he can walk. Yeah. And that would feel a little bit underwhelming for a guy they went out and targeted to only what, hold what, on what to What kind of term are you years. looking for? I think four years would be ideal. Three would be okay. Five starts to get a little on the long side. See, I, I, honestly, I think the Avs in two, two, three seasons are going to have so much internal business that they need to get taken care of. A two-year two deal really wouldn't even bother me on, on Ross Colton. I think I'd like a three, so you don't have to think about it for the extra year, but... Taves, Rantanen, Byram, all are going to have to get done within that time frame. Um, I, I think if you, I think if you end up with a two-year deal, <clears throat> is what it is. I, I guess my thing is in the modern NHL, especially with the expectation that the cap should be going up starting next year. It's just so much easier to get rid of cap than it is to hold on to players. And knowing that losing Newhook was a move to make this possible, too, I would feel a little less good about it if there wasn't a little bit of term. Yeah, I, I, the context there does matter for sure, especially given what we just saw Newhook sign at under $3 million for four years. Right. So I would be a little bit disappointed in the term for Colorado if it, uh, if it does go all the way through to arbitration. With that being said... The last time the Avs actually let a contract be decided by arbitration for a player that mattered was what? O'Reilly? Was there someone after him? I feel like... <clears throat> uh, was Barry after him? Or are you saying that but actually they got a deal done. Right, yeah. right, right. Um, yeah, like minutes before. Like, I think they did the hearing and then 
I think they I think like, it was while they were, let's just sign mm -hmm. this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was while they were waiting for the arbitration yeah, that might have uh, been ruling to come back. Yeah, so not something the Avs do very commonly. Not something I would be too worried about, but something on the immediate radar that the Avs do have to think about. We've talked about this other one a lot. As as I'm kind of just going to go a bit chronologically here. I think we're all kind of still expecting the Avs to make one move. Yeah. Is <sighs> this roster hole? Does this roster hole become a problem if it's open heading into the season? No. No. What was the start of that question? Wow! Not paying attention, bad friend. Expecting bad friend. Expecting them to fill this hole at yes. third line wing in this off season is does it become a problem for them if they don't fill it? If they just leave that open challenge going into training camp. My, my thing with it is your roster doesn't have to be set going into camp. I agree with that. Okay. But I still want them to have a plan, a motion to fill that at some point, even if it's not by the start of camp. Okay. Well, to me, if, if it's not by the start of camp, that, that says that they didn't, they weren't comfortable with what options were available, whether it be the money or the player itself. So they're saying to me, that would be them saying, Hey, the plan is that we're going to fill this in season. We're going to explore the trade route. As we head towards a deadline, we're going to wait to see how teams start to shake out. Who's at the top, who's looking to sell, who might be willing to retain some salary. That to me is, is if they head into training camp with no middle six resolution for, you know, whatever player it ends up being, um, <clears throat> that to me is what they're saying. We're keeping our options open. We didn't like what was out there. You know, what's up, Jason Zucker? We'll talk to you in January. <laughs> I love that. But I also look at, I think they're preemptively looking at the waiver wire, like with expectation next season that there might be players that they're anticipating will have to be passed through in as much as what they did with Frederick Olofsson. Like, yeah. I think they expected that to be a player Dallas wouldn't be able to get through waivers. So they're like, well, we're going to just get ahead of this now. And so I think this is something they're keeping a keen eye on that I would have some confidence that they have something in mind, even if it's not a need filled by the start of camp. But I would feel very disappointed if they felt comfortable just leaving it open and perhaps like letting something internally come to fruition. I'm not as confident in that route is maybe what I mean to say. So you wouldn't like if they, if they not obviously with their words, they wouldn't come out and say this, but if they said we're going into the season with what we've got and we'll address it in season, you wouldn't like that. I Either mean, of you? I, I would want to know. They would never tell me. I would want to know that they're actively looking. Well, I mean, you, you would have, I mean, I'm, I'm, this team is always looking. This team's actively looking that, every day right now. Here's the thing. I still want them to fill the spot. Huh? Maybe this is PTSD from last season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But Where it never actually got done. Yeah. Not that it never actually got done, actually. The injuries. Sure. Fill that spot, and when someone inevitably gets hurt, then you can go out and solve that problem with the trade. It's a fair point. I think we're all a little bit wounded by how <laughs> the injuries affected the Avs last that season. On purpose? That no amount, yeah, <laughs> no amount of depth really could save them. It got to such levels of desperation; they were in deep to the Eagles roster that mm -hmm. I think that's why I'd like to see them do something a late off-season ad like an off Evan Rodriguez um, was such a find that that's also why I'm not panicked that nothing has happened yet. I think they're waiting. I like the call out that they're not going to 
act out of desperation, mm -hmm. either if the money or the player just doesn't make sense right now, I would agree that they're not going to move just for the sake of yeah. making that move. I think that's a great that's call a great call out, and that's more of what I'm saying than anything else. Abs management has shown <clears throat> under this, you know, in this era, the post Patrick Waugh era, that that sure. they are fine being patient. If the deal isn't right, if the money's not right, if the return's not right, if whatever it is, they are fine waiting because they trust their process. And and when I when I make the comment a minute ago, like I, I think everybody should understand like this team is listening every day like they're making calls every day they have one of the best pro scouting departments in the league uh like like they are constantly seeing what players might make sense for them what deals could make sense for them who's out there that's available so if they don't make a deal in the off season you know the rest of the way which i do want to interject I think they will. I would be surprised if it played out yeah. the way that I'm talking, that they go into the season with this spot unfilled. But if they do that, that means we didn't like the money or the term for the quality of players that we thought we would be getting back. <clears throat> so we're going to wait and we'll address this on the trade market in season. Now, I think Vlad Tarasenko still sitting out there is really interesting. I still think he ends up being too expensive. <clears throat> I agree probably, with you. But I agree with you. But... To the Evan Rodriguez point, like no one thought that guy was going to be sitting there mid-August for a million dollars. And I don't think Evan Rodriguez thought he was going to be sitting there for a million dollars halfway through August. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's still decisions to be made for guys like, <clears throat> I'm not necessarily saying, but you know, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves is still out there. Like there are still some decent names that are out on the market that I think as those fall off the board, it'll drop the price on some of those other guys. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. I'll be surprised if they don't fill it, but if they don't, that to me would say they assessed and they did not like what was out there and they'll figure it out via trade. And I think the other part of this is these two problems we've talked about are combined. When Ross Colton's deal gets done, they right. can go to Vlad Tarasenko and say, hey, we can give you exactly $3.25 yeah. million dollars yeah. or whatever the For number this ends year. up being. That's a great point. And then... The Avs have a more exact number on that. I saw someone asking about LTR cap space. I'm not going to get into all the minutiae of cap space with LTIR because it gets really dumb. But yes, you can accumulate cap space with LTIR. And the objective of the team is to use as much of that LTIR space as possible to try and maximize their cap. It's more complicated than that, but go look it up because that's all I'm going to give you on this show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The, the the cap stuff, that's the other thing. We talked last week, I think it was last week, about like what the league could do to help, you know, with the salary cap, make it more interesting, make it more competitive. They gotta make it fucking easier to understand, dude. I agree with that a lot. I, the, I, the, there's so many like fine rules on all of it that it's like what? it's it, it has stopped becoming or rather I should say, it has become a sideshow of its own of teams trying to dance in and around the cap when they, dancing around the cap just shouldn't be a thing. You're either under it or you're not. It should be that simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do we know when Ben Myers will have to have accepted his qualifying offer? Uh, I thought that deadline already passed. I thought so too. I thought we were like right on it. I believe it passed. Not that it just doesn't, really matter whether he's accepted it or not 
Because I mean, I guess if he wants to hold out, he can. But his RFA rights have been retained by Colorado. He has no arbitration rights. It, it ultimately the ABS can offer him whatever they want, and he can either sign or sit out. Yeah, I I, I want to say Megan, it was last Thursday or last Friday. It, it was it was recent, but I know it did come and go. Yeah. Which, uh, a fair point, though, if we're talking about obstacles for this offseason. I, I can't imagine this one being that big of a deal. I don't imagine so, but it does come down to that bottom line number mm-hmm. that the Evs will need to be aware of yep. after Ross Colton. Yep, definitely does matter for sorting out their cap situation. Um, you know, it it's one of those situations where the player just doesn't have any leverage at all. His statistics aren't going to significantly impact the contract for him. Again, I I think AJ and I talk a lot about how we would like more power for players, especially younger players in the NHL to negotiate. But the way it is right now, he just has none. Absolutely nothing that he can really do when it comes to negotiating power other than sitting out and not playing hockey at all. So... It's a tough spot to be in. Yeah. Well, and I also don't know why he wouldn't. I don't either. Want to? Like, yeah. Of of all young guys last year, he by a mile got the most NHL reps. Yes. So QOs don't really matter. Like Myers could sign his QO two weeks from now, and just it's just just the same deal, right? Mm-hmm. But all that matters is that teams give a qualifying offer to retain rights, basically. <clears throat> And I want to, and you can correct, either of you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. I believe a lot of that QO stuff and the deadline stuff is more for guys who have arb rights. Right. Yeah. That, that's who it primarily applies to. But to your point, the very young guys who don't have those arbitration rights, who cares? Yeah. I, I, retaining rights is what QO, QO offers are more about than anything. Players can accept them if they want to, of course, but... It's very normal to just give a QO to retain rights and then figure out the contract later. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, anyway, on that note, we are brought to you by the Breckenridge Distillery. If all these numbers make you want to drink like it makes me want to drink, great place to get yourself some amazing bourbon. If you haven't checked them out already, I highly recommend. You go see them while you can. They're the official bourbon of the Denver Broncos, by the way. Uh Breckenridge Distillery is the world's highest distillery, founded in 2008. Uh, Their American-style whiskey is what they're best known for, if you haven't had it. Uh, I'm not a big whiskey person, but it's it's quite good. I highly recommend smooth whiskey. Uh, it's just good alcohol. I Hard liquor, I guess. Whiskey's hard liquor. It yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's liquor. Yeah. Uh, 4X winner of Colorado's Distillery of the Year for the New York International Spirits Competition. So they know what they're doing. Uh, And they even have a gin now as well that uh, is one of the best in the world. So if you haven't had a chance to try their alcohol, go get in on it today. Breckenridge Distillery products are available in all 50 states. You can shop your local retailer or visit BreckenridgeDistillery.com for home delivery of award-winning Breckenridge Spirits. Uh, and then we're also brought to you by the folks over at another read that I had totally prepared. Yep. 
and you guys saw this coming. Oh, right. It's kind love. Yes. I, I'm sounding like I just smoked a turbo joint before the show, so that adds up. Uh, you can check out Kind Love here in Colorado today. Use DNVR code to get 25% off any in-store purchase. Kind Love, one of the first dispensaries in Colorado. They've been around since 2010. They have a bunch of amazing products, all of it farm to table. They grow their own stuff. They create their own cannabinoids, CBD products, whatever yeah. you want to call I don't. Clearly, I'm not a scientist. Those were all things. Those were all real things <laughs> that you just said, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know the science behind growing weed. I'm sorry, Chad. I do know Kind Love is very good at it. So go check them out today. The turbo joints are the best. Easy to just stick them in something. I, I know. got turboed this weekend. You're getting turboed? No, I got, oh, you got turboed. turboed. Dude, I was zooming. <clears throat> a little Taylor and turbo? Is that, was that what this weekend is about? I'm a controversial, not a big fan of Taylor. Appreciate all the Swifties. Just don't like Taylor. Whoa. Right, okay. Now, hold on. Finish this read because like, now we need to have this conversation. You, heard, you must have smoked a lot of card love to not be a fan of Taylor Swift. That's, Seriously. That's, that's all I'm saying. Go check them out. You can go to their dispensary locations. Uh, they have a couple here in Colorado. Or you can go online at kindlove.com to see their full menu and online ordering. QR code right there on screen. All right, Jesse. What so, do you want to say about well, Taylor Swift? No, no, Swift? no. I, I, I want to understand Yaya. Do you not like her music, her celebrity status, or do you not like Taylor Swift, the individual? I think it's more her music than okay. anything. I'm That's just fair. Not, yeah. I just I'm not a pop guy. Don't oh, yeah. really like yeah. pop. Don't know Taylor for me to really judge her. I can only judge well, her as for like her. Obviously, you don't well, know Taylor Swift personally. But exactly, like, but like that's my thing. Like the only thing I can judge her based on, like I don't like. Uh, again, I don't care for as. Uh, you don't. I mean, you don't, you don't have really. to like. You don't have to. Yeah, you don't I like her music. I think that's yeah, fair. And I think that's just, totally yeah, fair. And like, I'm just, yeah. uh, but I do appreciate the commitment, the that passion. Swifties, yeah, yeah, that's with these Because I that's, really do appreciate that quite a bit. That's the crazy part. I was talking with a couple friends and and my wife this weekend. As you know, Friday and Saturday, that was all your social media timelines were. Were just people that were at the concert, and we were just saying how crazy it is that she's entered into a different tier of celebrity. Yep. Like she's no longer just the musician. Like. The, the, what was it? The, the Department of Revenue, like, put out a statement regarding her tour <laughs> and how much it stimulated the, the impact, economy. Yeah. And there's different regions of the country where they haven't seen uh, tourist and like lodging revenue like this since pre 2020. Like Taylor Swift's literally like saving America at this <laughs> point on this era's tour. I don't but think it, but it, that's what's crazy when the U.S. Department of Revenue is like, hey. Keep doing what you're doing. Like, you're in pretty good shape. Again, I just, not I, for me. No, and, and that I, was and why I, I wanted to know. Because yeah, I, I don't hate her. Because like. if, if you didn't like her, then you are just a hater and you're just trying to be in the out group. If you don't like her music, I get it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of T-Swift songs. I'm just like, boo. I, I don't know who tweeted it, but whoever did, I props to them. They said... I don't ever want to hear an athlete complain about the altitude in Denver again. <laughs> yo. Because Taylor Swift just out here banging out songs for four hours. So, yo, straight <laughs> up, we we were very lucky. We got tickets for free the last time she came to town. That's an incredible show. Like, the performance she puts on is wild. And I had that same, not about the altitude, yeah. but that same thought. I was like, this girl is in unbelievable shape. <laughs> Like whole like pro athlete level yeah. endurance. Meanwhile, Nuts. Football players run sixty yards and right. they gotta 
get get the oxygen, oxygen mask yeah. on. She's doing like nine outfit changes for one song. It's crazy. <laughs> don't hate on Taylor. That's where we're at. You How can you? I think her early music sucks. I'm with you on that. I liked country Taylor. Uh, See, I'm more I was on the you, country side than I am on the pop. Okay. Megan, you've had an interesting look on your face for this whole conversation. I feel like you have some. Some T Swift takes down there. They're they're not hot takes. I just really like Country Taylor, and I never loved the pop era as much. But I like Taylor the person, mm. the performer, the songwriter. So I do like Taylor, but I wouldn't consider myself a Swiftie. Okay, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of for the same reason as Yaya with the pop take. But I love pop music. I just I don't know. Ooh, I like a different brand of her. pop. I think. See now, <clears throat> the Swiftie stuff. It is I so. Really <laughs> no, are, no, 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 are, no. Do you like Ari? Yeah, yeah. That's what I need to know. Oh, I love Rihanna. I thought you that's would. The thing. I, I thought don't like you pop, would. Pop, but there's certain like it has to be like the certain t uh, beat to it. I think, and I think that's more of a hip hop kind of. Yeah. Pop. I agree. I agree. And I'm more into that than I am like the very poppy. Right. Is this not, are we did, now an Ari pod? Did we <laughs> are. So I have a dance background. I don't know if you guys knew oh, that. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, it was primarily hip hop, and so I think the pop influence. Damn, I thought you were going to say it was primary Ariana Grande. <laughs> it was. I was I was an Ariana Grande impersonator for a few years. I'm just Shut kidding. Up. Oh, oh, kidding. oh, I'm just like. <laughs> I could have talked me into that. No, um, we, we got it. We got to go. <laughs> see, but so the last I was going to say about the Swifty scene. Did you guys see the video this morning? It was like an early AM flight that got like they had to wait. They were backed up on the runway. And so it was a bunch of people. It was leaving DIA. And so they were like, who here was for the Taylor Swift concert? And it was like most of the plane. So they started playing a Taylor Swift song into like the PA system. <laughs> and like the entire plane started singing. And it was just one of those things where I was like, Again, I'm all for the passion, but I would be furious. <laughs> I bang my head against that window so many times Dude, I get knocked out. At if that it point. was, if if I'm on like a 7 a.m. flight, and there oh. are 115 <laughs> fans of any singer, group, band, acapella early. screaming, thus I'll be like, let me off. I'll take the fine. Let me off. <laughs> Again, I apologize to everybody. Listening. You should. Thank you. Apology this accepted. All my fault, and I'm Apology sorry. accepted. We can move on. Taylor now Swift, the Av's biggest obstacle in yeah. 2023. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I did want to get into some of this season a little bit. A conversation that I think the Avs don't have the worst travel schedule in the NHL. That usually ends up being like Edmonton. Uh, Vancouver is actually a little better now with Seattle existing, mm -hmm. but uh, Calgary's is usually quite bad too. Did you read that Cal one? I did. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the the Av schedule this year has eight back to backs. Technically, all of them are travel. And none of them are the Avs being the rested team. Really? Yep. The Avs have... Well, obviously, if they're back-to-back. -back. Yeah, sure. But the only one of them is the other team also on a back-to-back. -back. So really? So seven games where the other team is rested. See, this is the stuff where... <clears throat> and Because I'm sure the Avs aren't the only one that this is happening to, I would just love to know... What goes into this portion of schedule making? Because this is now two seasons in a row where the abs have just gotten shafted yeah. by the back-to-back -back scheduling. 
The, the one last year, I drew the line in the sand literally for game two. They did their banner-raising ceremony then had to fly to go play it back-to-back the next day. I was like, this is ridiculous. Who scheduled this? Uh, some of them are a little bit funny. Most of them are normal. Like It's a team on one or two days rest. I think there's a few with three. They have a back-to-back after the All-Star break where they play Calgary on nine days rest Yeah. while the Avs are on a back-to-back. So is it the first game out of the All-Star break and then the, immediately yeah. again? See, that might actually that might actually be one where I would bet the Avs on that one because... This is a rest for Calgary. Right. But still, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be that way. That's, that's right. still a little ridiculous, the totally. disparity between the, the differences in those two. Right. Is this just the new normal for the NHL or the Avs? Is this an avalanche problem? Both. It's an avalanche okay. problem for two years in a row. And that's a problem. That's that to me makes it a league problem. When you have one team that's going through this two years in a row that we can see firsthand, let alone going through everyone else's schedule. It's a league problem. And so much so that Toronto did funny things with their travel following the holiday right. break to get in trouble in their eyes. It was worth it because this is, it has such an impact on the performance of a team that yeah. they're willing to bend the rules. And it demonstrates that this is a league-wide problem because it's affecting more than just the Avs in, in some ways as well. But it also is enough to get Toronto to step outside the bounds. because To say, we'll pay this much for a win. Exactly. We'll take the fine. It's, it's very revealing of how much this actually does mean to teams. And, and that's the part where I would love to, like do a piece one year where we go sit with the NHL schedule makers. And obviously you would never be able to tell like the entire, you know, all the trade secrets, but like, I know it's a tough job. There's a lot of different venues and a lot of different events and a lot of things you have to juggle other leagues, other teams, concerts, monster truck jam, the circus, all kinds of stuff. I know I get it. There's no, like there just has to be a better solution than some of this stuff. so there are two real solutions here. One, the one that is never going to happen. Just accept it. I'm sorry. You shorten the season. Do you see they're they're trying to lengthen it? And, and they would never like shortening the season would make better hockey. Full stop. Everyone knows it, but it would make them a whole lot less money. So they will yeah. never do it. It's just never going to happen. The actual season or the actual solution is to do the opposite. Have the regular season go a month longer. Yeah. Start in September instead of October. With a little more break in between games sure, yeah, kind of thing. Right. You add one month to the season and you need to separate for the abs. It's eight back to backs. One month easily separates those out. So you have none. I have always. I take that back. Not always. That's a lie. I just lied to you guys for <laughs> two or three years. Ever since COVID, I have thought the NHL should have taken advantage of the fact that their schedule got messed up and should have shifted it to go January to September. The only game in town you're competing with is baseball. It frees up the arena for more than half the season and playoffs. You can spread these games out. You can keep it at 82 games. I don't know if you would have to add a ton because I think a lot of the problems that they run into are the multi-use venues, hockey and basketball, because those seasons run near identically. I mean, they're concurrent within 10 games at all times. And so you're constantly fighting this scheduling battle. Then you have indoor lacrosse in there for half the venues in the league. If they would have shifted this season 
kick off the season. What I've had it drawn out. You start the season with a winter classic game, and then you do a full 16-game slate offset throughout the day, and that is your kickoff day on New Year's Day. And then you run it through, and you award the Stanley Cup in the back half of September. You have no competition. You get out right before football starts. You really, you like come out of your, or like you head into the stretch of your season right after the NBA Finals finish. You don't have competition for the arenas. That to me would have been a solution for them that I think would have drawn more eyeballs. But that's a massive scheduling shift and changing the season for hockey almost completely. So I know why they didn't do it. But I always thought that was one where it's, you run into these problems because your buildings are full. The Avs probably have a lot of traveling back-to-backs because once you get into January, February, March, you've got three pro teams playing in that venue. It's true. I think basketball should change its schedule. I'm just kidding. (laughs) See, and I also selfishly wanted it because that would have put hockey season in the middle of summer and I could have gone to games appropriately dressed and not been freezing walking out to the car. (laughs) You know, it's a real problem out here. But I feel bad for the hockey players who look forward to that part of the summer to go golfing. You're not wrong. Then the off season would be the winter. Ew. They'd be celebrating with the Stanley Cup in like October. Mm. I feel like that fits the Stanley Cup better, to be honest. But but, but October, you're probably still fine. Like you're doing your parades and all that stuff in October. It's a little Everyone's just going to buy vacation houses in like San Diego, Florida, wherever. Right, 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 right. The plus is they could be home for the holiday, like significant time with family. Right. Yep. Although uh, that would probably be like train, but but see, you just do uh, training camp, but then but then actually, but then you just block out that week, and there's no activities. You go the full week, no preseason. Then you come out of that, you go preseason, and then you do like two final preseason games, December 26th through the 28th <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah. God damn it, y'all here. <laughs> Seriously, though, do it. <laughs> I will help figure it out. This is what I'm going to look like in the schedule makers room next summer. We're going to get all these back-to-backs knocked out, Just folks. January 1 on yeah, the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Circles it. All right. How do we make this happen? <laughs> uh, I, I do want to tie this back in. the abs a little bit in the reality of the NHL where we do start in October. Uh, start of the season, I think, has become more important in the NHL. We saw it partially for the Avs last year because of how hard they had to play all the way down the stretch to win the Central Division. The reality of every sport, every modern major sport, load management is becoming more and more of a thing. The human race is starting to understand the physical limits of the human body a little bit better. How... Does this actually matter as, as people who watch the team every day, as people who cover the team? What is it important to get off to that good start so you can coast later in the season and be healthy? Or is this more of a thing that's being made up and teams are just trying to find like the slimmest advantage imaginable? So my thing with the fast start is I, I truly do believe that in hockey, it is harder to make up ground than any other sport. A lot of teams go on long runs throughout the season. You'll you'll we'll see over a dozen teams go on an eight game winning streak this season. 
Like it's it is hard to make up ground, especially in the back half of the season. That is where you see the vast majority of even teams that are out of it, bottom feeder teams, all the way up to teams like Florida. That is when most teams hit their stride because they went through changes, they made trades, they had new free agents come in. You don't want to be having to win games in the back third of the season. That is when it's the hardest to win games and you're having to climb over a lot of teams. For me, the getting off to a fast start is so that you're not having to chase. It's putting yourself in the thick of, of the race. It's putting teams behind you. And at that point, it's all about trying to put distance because a lot of teams win a lot of games in the back half of the season. And you will see teams, again, I go back uh, two seasons now in 2022, it must have been infuriating to be a St. Louis Blues fan or a Minnesota Wild fan, let alone someone within the organization. Because those were teams that were stringing together. I mean, seriously, like 15-1, and 16-0-2 runs. And I actually think they lost ground on the abs in those stretches. Yeah. Like, it is really, really, really hard to make up ground on teams that you are trying to chase down. So not even the health and being able to take it easy. That that was a nice side effect that the abs had two seasons ago. Aside from that, it's just you're having to chase. Fair enough. Megan, anything to add? Well, I think the 2022 season is a great reflection of why it can be extremely helpful. They were able in the final games of the regular season to send American League players to those games and rest some of the top talent. Mm -hmm. And the concern was, well, will they be ready to go come game one of the playoffs? And the answer was absolutely yes, because yeah. they demonstrated an aptitude in the regular season early on that this team is cohesive. They have an identity. They can play to it. They didn't need to prove that near the end of that season. And so there was a confidence from the drop of the puck in game one that they knew who they were, but also they could be a little bit more well-rested. And I don't think you can undermine the benefit of a little bit of rest and health in the playoffs, especially mm -hmm. because of how much of a battle it is, even for a team that was relatively rested and healthy and had a quicker, easier path to the cup. They were still battling a lot of injuries even then. Yeah. It, I'm not trying to say it's easy, but I do think things like that do matter a little bit. It, every little advantage you can find with, with something like that. You know, human bodies aren't robots. They, they don't go from functioning to not functioning. It's a scale of mm -hmm. how healthy they are. But a couple days here and there can really make a big difference for a player. So I do think it matters. If you're out here trying to play sports, Volo is the way to do it here in Colorado. Tons of different leagues. You can sign up through August 3rd now. So get in on it in the next couple weeks while you still can. Volo is the largest social sports company in the U.S. They play so the kids can play free. Their Volo Kids Foundation provides tons of free sports camps to kids in each Volo city. DNVR's got the uh, the kickball league going, so you can come join that if you want. Pickleball, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Pickleball. We are starting that up. I forgot about that. Not my sport. It's not, it's not for me. Uh, but I'll stick to kickball. Uh, you can get signed up for the monthly membership for just 20 bucks a month, uh, minimum three months. Or you can get the beta version if you want to try it out. It's just 10 bucks a month for the first three months, uh, which is basically like the first month three when you use code DNVR10 to get $10 off. So check them out. Tons of leagues all over the city. Lodo, Rhino, Uptown, City Park, Highlands, Sloan's Lake, Cherry Creek, DU, Inglewood, Arvada, Aurora, and more. So they're out there. Bolosports.com slash Denver today. 
Be sure to use that DNVR10 code to get $10 off when you go in. And when you're out there playing out in the sun, make sure you're wearing your Shady Rays. You can get your Shady Rays at ShadyRays.com today with the DNVR code to get 50% off when you go to two pairs of sunglasses or more. So jump in on the Shady Rays. Get some fantastic sunglasses. Make sure you're looking good. Whether you're uh, you're out there on the golf course or you're just driving into town, either way, Shady Rays making you look great. Uh, again, ShadyRays.com with the DNVR code, or they have a brick and mortar in the Park Meadows Mall. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. I think I know the answer to this question, but I have to ask it. Is there anything realistically that the Avs can do to prevent as many injuries this season? Because that's going to be the obstacle everyone's worried about. It's just the reality. No? No. I, I mean, especially go back and look at some of those injuries last they're, year. They're nuts. They make no sense. They're just freak things. I, I was talking with uh, another uh, local media member here, and we were talking about the Gabe Landeskog thing. Like, the way that this whole saga started on Gabe Landeskog's knee... Yeah, getting cut, cut on a skate blade, yeah. Like, like, what do you do? I just think the Avs had one of those seasons last year. And, and like, people go through this type of stuff in life. You know, when, when one thing happens, I mean, there's a phrase for it. When it rains, it pours kind of thing. You know, Megan, <laughs> you went through that just a few weeks ago. With, it was like your car, then it was this, then it was this. Then they lost your car, then it was this. And it was like, holy shit. How is all this stuff happening? It's Wednesday. How is this all yeah. happening this week? Like, and to me, that was what it felt like for the Avs last year was it started going downhill and they just couldn't ever stop it. And then just weird things are happening because that's just the way that life works. Now, look, if, if we get 50 torn groins this year, okay, I'll, I'll give in. Change some of the medical and training staff, I guess. That's not what has been happening. It's not what took place last year. Um... I really think that you just have to hope for better injury luck. Fair enough. Uh, the other side of that, since you mentioned Gabe Landeskog, leadership in the Avs locker room. I don't think that's a problem necessarily, but an obstacle they have to overcome. An entire season, this time with the knowledge that they're going to be without their captain the whole way. That are, last comment right there is a good one. Are there expectations that, that leaders need to step up or is this a, Hey, we kind of have enough spots in place that it's not going to matter. Oh, I think it's going to matter because they're also losing Eric Johnson, another prominent voice in the room. And so without Landeskog and Johnson, though I'm sure Landeskog will be around the team in of some course. capacity. He still was last season too. It, it makes a difference, but it doesn't make all the difference. I think that the existing leaders in the room don't necessarily need to step up more. Like I think Miko Rantanen really stepped up last year, but I also think it gives rise to more voices to step up as leadership voices in the room. And sure. I'm interested to see what that might look like. Um, I don't know if it's somebody already there just becoming a bit more vocal in the room or, or what it is, but especially to like knowing that Taves is kind of a part of that and yeah. that he could be another voice that is on its way out. And I don't want to speak that into existence necessarily. It's really important now more than ever then for some of these voices to step up that might not have been as prominent before. For, for me, there's two guys that I'll be looking at to take steps. Before I talk about that, I do think it's huge for these reasons, they brought back Andrew Cogliano. I think we've talked mm -hmm. about that on a show already. I, I wouldn't doubt that that factored into it. 
It's amazing how quickly he has become a legitimate, I mean, one of the leaders in that room. Um, everything Megan just said, comma, I think it's going to be interesting to watch Kale McCarr this year because this is a year, it's a full year. There's no Gabe coming back, we know. And I really do think with whatever ends up happening with Gabe Landeskog, no matter what happens, Gabe Landeskog's career has been shortened. For sure. Whether he makes it back or not, his career has been shortened. It's not going to go as long as maybe everyone once hoped. To me, Kale McCarr is the next guy. Nathan McKinnon has outwardly said, not interested in it. That's not what I'm here for. I, I need someone to keep me in check. I think Nathan McKinnon is perfectly suited as an alternate captain for the Avs until he retires. Yep. The next guy is Kale McCarr, and I think he's got the Joe Sackick type. When I speak, everybody listens. Do as I do, not only as I say. And I think he's going to be interesting to watch how he kind of grows into that and matures into that because the, the harsh reality is there is a real world that we're living in where within three years, Kale McCarr is the next captain of the Colorado Avalanche. Again, that is under the assumption Gabe Landeskog does not come back. I'm not quite ready to say that yet, but either way, when Gabe Landeskog decides to hang it up, whether it be within the next year or five years from now, it is Kale McCarr next. So I'm going to be watching him see how he kind of controls the room this year. And then the other one is Ryan Johansson. Nazem Kadri played okay. a big time secondary leader role, I think, in terms of, you know, carrying the boat for that, that second line and, and really kind of being like, all right, we know who the top guys are. This next wave of guys, I'm taking control of that. I'm taking charge. We're going to make sure that we're contributing, we're supporting. And then obviously that, that swag kind of built into, no, we, I am the guy. I want to see that from Johansson. He's coming into that same role. He's going to have the same opportunity. Uh, and, and I think if he can capture that, play with some guys with skill, I, I think Johansson has a good chance to have a big impact on and off the ice. But he's another guy that's going to have to assume a leadership role. I think that's a great call out because everything I've heard about Johansson is that he is going to be really well liked by his teammates. Mm -hmm. And I think that he is going to connect with this group pretty quickly. And it's a, a role that I think that he could step into more seamlessly compared to other new faces in the room that are more of an unknown in that regard. I think that he has some of that veteran leadership presence already built in that will fit very nicely in the app soccer room. He's been yep. to a Stanley cup final. Like, you know, yep. he's, he's gone down the road. Um, like Nazem Kadri, he's going to come here and he's got to take it up a level for sure. Did you see his Nathan McKinnon socks? I, I did. did, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was, I thought that was a fun, that was a fun video. Well, it was like, all right, he's decked out in Avs gear, and then you get to his torso, and it's like he's wearing a hoodie in the middle of summer. Yeah, That's yeah, brutal, yeah. man. <laughs> the care package they sent him was suited for winter. <laughs> yeah. They were like, "You're coming to Colorado. It's a little colder <laughs> than Nashville here, so oh yeah, get ready." Uh, I yeah, guess the, he was the in Nate socks I thought that. were good. They, they were, were nice touch. Um, the other guy I would add there, Miles Wood, is on a six-year deal. Yeah, that's a great point. Production-wise, he might not be part of the core, but he's not going anywhere anytime soon. JT Comfer was a real leader in that room. I talked about that. Uh, I went on with Romy Bean a couple weeks ago, and I talked about the, the part that maybe fans don't realize. He was one of the few. Him and EJ were, were a couple of the the last remaining holdovers from the 48-point team, as well as Miko, Nate, and Gabe. Um so, you know, they lost a couple of those guys that had been with the team for a long time. Yep. JT Comfer was very well respected in that room. And that's, I, think that's a, I think that's a good one. 
Rudo because Miles Wood is essentially like that's the JT Confer replacement. We're swapping in Miles Wood where we lost JT Confer. He's got to, I, I don't need to see him be a leader this year, but he's got to really start establishing himself as I plan to be here for a while and, you know, really take those steps like become an Av. Yep. Uh, because, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to be here for, for half, more than half a decade. <laughs> I think, too, when you hear of the accountability or the disciplinary things that sometimes happen, I wonder if the solution is like how you would with a child who might be in need of some discipline. It's like, well, what if I gave you more responsibilities yeah. and you had to answer for those? Yeah. No, seriously, though. But but like, I, I mean, we need you to be a role player here. And part of that is you can't be heading exactly. to the penalty box every three shifts Miko Rantanen <laughs> okay but, but, but like we're chuckling and stuff but for real like it's that, real that no, was it's a true. real thing last year where you're right I liked the I liked the fire out of Rantanen I liked him being engaged showing that passion and there were two games in a row and it's like and you went too far and he didn't like it and he, he even, didn't like he's it he's like you know I'm kind of embarrassed by this I can't be doing that and, and Jared Bednar called him out can't do that you cannot do that when you are that important of a player for us you just can't and honestly, like Miles Wood is going to have to have a little bit of that. Absolutely, you, you're being you. You were just given a six-year deal in the summer of one-year deals. You got six to come in and be a legitimate middle six role player for this team. You're getting an elevated role than what you had in New Jersey. You're going to get more opportunity than what you had in New Jersey. You're going to play with better players than you did in New Jersey. You can't be the penalty guy. No. <laughs> Like Josh Manson had to learn that when he got here, it lasted like three games where he was the dumb penalty yep. guy. And it was like, hey, you're reskating next to Bowen Byram in the playoffs. Stop doing that. You can't yeah. do that. Because now you're eating into his ice time and we need him out there. Like, <laughs> stop. And he figured it out for yep. the most part. I mean, look, a bad penalty here or there obviously isn't great, but if you can get it under control, you can live with that. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You're never going to be penalty-free, but don't be an idiot. Unless you're Sam Gerrard. Yeah. More Ryan O'Reilly. Hey, Sam Gerrard's got like three career fights. That's true. He always... Certified mean boy. The thing is, like, you get 43 games into the season, and you're like, Sam Gerrard got four penalty minutes this year. <laughs> All on Alex to break yeah, right. <laughs> So he just doesn't take a lot of penalties. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I, I do think it will be interesting. We've talked before about Val Nichushkin and his spot in the locker room. As we'll have to figure that out for he, themselves. He, he's, he's, he's got a big role to play this year. That, yep. that, as, look, I'm not going to bury him on, on everything that happened. That's, between, that's a personal issue for him. That's between him and the organization. He needs to come back. And, and he, I don't necessarily want to use the phrase make up for that, but the, he wasn't with the team when they got knocked out. He's got to step his game up this year. And Megan, I can't remember who it was that you spoke with last year. I apologize. Kale. Was it Kale? Yeah, that, that talked about this guy's become a leader. He needs he needs to take everything up a level this year, Val Nachushkin. Better leader, uh, you know, and, and that extends to off-ice stuff. Uh, and then his play needs to get back to where we saw it in spurts last year. Full summer, you're healthy. Come back and 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 take that game to the next level. Uh, very quickly, as we are wrapping up here, and we will revisit probably all of this come September when hockey is actually a thing. Are the Evs the best team in the West? I think so. I think so right now today, yes. 
not as confident. No, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think they are too. Uh, I think they've got... <clears throat> I'm not a believer in Aiden Hill to continue doing impossible things in well, Vegas. I, I think they're higher end than Dallas. They're higher end than I believe, Vegas. I, I, think, I think it's close with Vegas. I, On the high end? Yeah. I think Jack Ooh, Eichel's I, for real now. I, I, I never thought Jack Eichel wasn't for real. But I, I, more, I think Jack Eichel's the best player on their team, and I liken him more to Miko Rantanen than I do Nathan McKinnon. Uh, I don't want to get into the minutia of this uh, argument, just, but I see what you're saying. Nathan McKinnon has that, cool, I'll just win the game by myself. Yeah. And Jack Eichel just doesn't have that gear in the way that McKinnon does. Again, I, I also think Miko Rantanen is a top 10 player in the yeah, NHL. So I'm not saying Jack Eichel is like bad. Knock on him. Right. Man. And I think Mark Stone is very, very, very good when he's healthy. Uh, Which is never. Well, right. I th- yeah, I think Vegas is just like slightly aged by I comparison. I think that Avs are more top heavy by comparison. However, the depth I still think is where Vegas has the slight advantage because it's not been resolved yeah. within the Avs yet, but there's question marks that we expect so, to be filled. Yep. Yeah. That yeah. I'll more confidently say than yes, it's the Avs by think, a large margin. I think they have higher end than Vegas and Dallas, and then I think they have better depth than Edmonton. And I'm probably giving the Avs the edge on both of those things when you're talking about Dallas. I, I think the Avs on healthy paper, the Avs should be better than Dallas. Yeah, I agree with that. Edmonton is Edmonton. I, I will never believe in them again. Yep. See, <sighs> see, uh, that's two of us. <laughs> I, they broke me last summer. This year it was Rudo. And then I think Vegas is for real. I, I think that's really yeah. the one team that the Avs are looking at and going, these are the guys we need I, to beat this year. I, I think it should be Colorado Vegas in the Western Conference final this year. Like if, if you're truly talking about the best teams made it, I think that's your Western Conference final. We finally get that showdown. Uh, and then, you know, you, you go from there. But that's who I think the two best teams are. Um, and then I think it's probably Dallas after that. I think uh, so. Uh, Assuming like Ben doesn't fall off the cliff and Pavelski doesn't right, fall off the right, cliff. Right. And, and then you get into the LA's uh, Seattle. S- Seattle. Seattle will be really interesting. Calgary, this year, I think, yeah. is going to be interesting. Calgary is another like, they're so different going into this year, not necessarily in terms of the personnel player wise, mm-hmm. but just everything behind the bench and then in the front office that I'm so curious how that'll translate to on ice for the players then. Yep. Well, and, and then again, like, all jokes aside, Edmonton didn't get any better. They actually got probably a little bit worse. They'll they'll be they'll probably make the second round of the playoffs they, again. They'll they'll be in around it because Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl they're too we'll, good. We'll just push they'll you through. They'll play LA again and they'll just beat LA by themselves. Right. It'll be fine. They'll, they'll finish in, in Pacific Division two or three, and yeah, they'll seriously. <laughs> I, I'm expecting it's probably going to be Edmonton, LA, and. We'll see what happens. Maybe maybe the third straight year LA can win one, but if it's Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell back there, that they're not they're not a contender. They're not serious. Yeah, I, they need better. And, and if and if your number one defenseman is Matthias Ekholm, you're not you're not really contending. Like, I'm not trying to be mean or funny, but like if, if that's really what it is, Stuart Skinner and Matthias Ekholm leading your back end, you're not a like you're not a serious contender. You'll get in the playoffs. I don't think you can win the cup. I would I'd agree with you on they, that. They lost Kyler Yamamoto and Clint Costin. <laughs> I don't think Clint Costin's any good, but I agree with you. And and yet he was like their third most productive <laughs> yeah, forward in the playoffs. Really important for them in that LA series, actually. But 
Anyway, we are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can get the Palisade Peach. My wife just picked some up because she loves Palisade Peaches. So she's all about it. Bring them home in beer form. You can drink your peaches now. Why not? Uh, check them out at your local liquor store anywhere in the 50 United States. Use the Breck Beer Locator online at breckbrew.com, or you can always come down to the bar, get eight different kinds on tap here at DNVR. Um, look, there are going to be a lot more obstacles the Avs face over the course of the season, but it's July, so I wanted to kind of lay a little bit of groundwork of what they're facing at this moment. Come August 15th, I think this list will look a lot different. But you got to start somewhere. So I'm good. Any final thoughts either of you want to add to this potential obstacles in the Avs way? No? Oh, good. No? All right. Just kick all the obstacles out. The Avs can go win another cup. How about that? <laughs> Sounds good to me. We're going to get out of here for the day. We appreciate all y'all hanging out with us on a Monday. Back tomorrow. I think it'll be the three of us again. Uh, should be fun. We, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you then. We're off season stuff. Yep.